You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. I got something I want to talk about to you. Hello and welcome to this Radiothon episode of Communication Mixdown. I'm Judith Peppard, and uh, lots of excitement here at 3CR. Lots of love coming in. Big thank you to those who've donated already, and to everyone just about to push the donate button on the 3CR website or call the station on 03-9419-8377. Thank you. 3CR is broadcasting from the unceded land of the Wurundjeri and Bunurong people of the Kulin Nations, and we pay our respects to elders past and present and emerging. Tonight on the show, we're looking at the genealogy of Communication Mixed Down. We'll be speaking with John Langer about how the show came about, themes over the years, and highlights. And we're also looking at the ambience of cities. Jordan Lacey will tell us about how sound artists in Australia and overseas, have worked to create peaceful spaces in the midst of busy cities, not necessarily to hide city sounds, but to transform them. It's coming up later in the show. But first up, John Langer. Now, John began at 3CR on the Dirt Radio program, moved on to Monday Breakfast, and then, well, he wanted to start his own show. So he pitched an idea to the 3CR program committee. The committee liked the concept, and the show began broadcasting toward the end of 2016. So what was John's idea, and what did he want to achieve with communication mixed down? I was thinking that on radio, there were interviews that were about various things to do with communication, but they were never centralized. They were never together in a kind of package. And As I was teaching at Victoria University in a department which is called Culture, Communication and Language, I just felt there was room for a program that was specifically directed to the idea of communication in all its forms, trying to tap into all styles, all patterns of communication, and essentially mixing them down into a half-hour show every week, an attempt to pull all that stuff together and give a space for those things to rub up against each other. I love the the word mixed down and how you're using it. Did you start this on your own or, or were there other people involved at the beginning? A sort of funny anecdote. There was an interview that I did with Jen Martin on Monday breakfast, and we just seemed to hit it off. There seemed to be a kind of a mutual empathy in the interview. I decided I couldn't do the program on my own. I asked Jen to help me, and indeed she did. And so the two of us ran the show for a couple of years. So you've been going since the end of 2016, is that right? Yes, that's right. Just at the time that Donald Trump was was elected president, and the very first show that we did was on the mass media in the United States. We did stuff on fake news, the post-truth era, 
there was a whole bunch of programs where we really just trying to tease out some of the things that were going on culturally around the beginning of the Trump era, essentially. Lots of material to work with at that time. So a great time to start a show on communication and to mix it all down, like perfect. I'm gathering from the way you're talking about your beginnings that that was an exciting time. I'm wondering if there are any highlights over the years that Communication Mixdown has been broadcasting, any moments that particularly stand out for you? I was thinking about this uh, last night as I went back over the podcasts through some of the stuff that we've done and topics that we kept returning to. One of them was climate change. The way we were approaching it not so much the science, but how climate change could be communicated to people thinking about these things or even people not thinking about these things. We did a number of shows on the way that climate change was essentially being communicated, the way you could convince people to think about climate change. There was a project that was run out of Monash University, which was trying to get weather presenters to present as part of their weather forecasting to try and connect some of the stuff to do with weather with climate change. Another theme was journalism, diversity in journalism. We had a show on investigative journalism and how the digital era was changing the way journalism actually worked. These were not conscious decisions. These were just things that, that sort of evolved in the process of the show. You've looked back over your program and you've identified these themes. Exactly right. Things that were interesting to all of us. Another one was the area of surveillance. One program that I remember very specifically was where we interviewed somebody who talked about what he called the digital panopticon, making the point that all our digital footprints were very much traceable. What I find interesting is how prescient you were. You know, you highlighted issues often as they were beginning for you when you talked about Trump and, uh, you know, fake news and many of these things. The environment, of course, has been the big issue in the latest election. Certainly digital surveillance, it's become bigger since you were first talking about it on communication mixed down. Those were the things that seemed to be something that resonated. We did a number of shows on language, on the reinvigoration of First Nation languages. We did a number of shows about radio and particularly the importance of multicultural radio and languages that were spoken apart from English and how important these were in the Australian context. It's very eclectic. It's very diverse. But we always try and bring it back to communication, communication within social, cultural, economic power relations, questions about whose voice gets heard, how does it get heard? who's speaking, who has the privilege of speaking. And all of those things were shaping the way the program being developed and, and the way it's basically continued. Yes. And uh, as a person with a long interest in media and communication, and as a volunteer broadcaster at 3CR, what would you say about the importance of community-powered radio in the current media landscape? Community radio and 3CR particularly I think has a very important place, despite the fact that there's all this other media available to us. The fact that 3CR still operates, still works by giving the community a voice, and particularly voices that don't get heard on a regular basis or 
that are there, but don't get foregrounded in the way that they need to be foregrounded. I think 3CR is very important in that respect. I did a program on community radio in times of crisis, crises like the bushfires, like the floods in northern New South Wales and southern Queensland. Radio was a place where we could actually go to hear what was going on, where, where it was safe, where it was dangerous to go. People were very tuned in to the local conditions through community radio. So I think community radio does play a very important part in the media landscape. And that was John Langer reflecting on the history and highlights of this show, Communication Mixdown, from the time it started in late 2016. And a big thank you to John for making time for the show today. You're on 3CR. I'm Judith Peppard, and it's our Radiothon broadcast, inviting you to donate whatever you can afford. We know times are not easy. Whatever you can offer is very much appreciated to keep us on air for another year. 3CR Radiothon 2022. 3CR. Keep community strong. 3CR Radiothon fundraiser, June 2022. To donate, call 03-9419-8377 or donate online at 3cr.org.au. 3CR Radiothon 2022. Keep communities strong. So, here you are. Too foreign for home. Too foreign for here, never enough for both. Ijuoma Umebinyo, Diaspora Blues. What makes you smile and adds a spring to your step? What does it mean to belong? And how do we build a home away from home? Diaspora Blues is a show that contemplates what is and what could be. Join Busto and Bigwa every Monday at 2.30 on 3CR Community Radio. Produced by Yan. The Milky Way looks good in the night skies. The stars open a short for my dark eyes. Hey, I'm Lady Lash. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio, the voice of the set. 3CR is so awesome, giving the platform for people's voices to be heard and people's gifts to be heard. And always remember that you are amazing. Thank you, Lady Lash, for your kind words about 3CR and uh, also message to all of us. Lady Lash is a Gugeta Greek woman from Seduna in South Australia, now based in Melbourne, and her new album, Spiritual Misfit, was released in November last year. This is the Radiothon edition of Communication Mixed Down, and whether we're aware of it or not, 3CR, as a community radio station, is part of what Jordan Lacey would call the ambience of the city of Melbourne. Jordan Lacey is a research fellow in the School of Design at RMIT University, and his research is focused on the ways that you can use specifically designed interventions to provide new and imaginative encounters within cityscapes. I caught up with Jordan Lacey last Thursday. Jordan, you've written that when we think about cities, we usually think about the physical environment. 
buildings, roads, parklands, famous landmarks, but you're interested in something that's less obvious, and you've called this the ambience of a city. So can you explain what you mean by this? So I guess the first thing to say is that all of those infrastructure projects are are very important. It's not to say that we don't need good roads and parks and buildings, and but it tends towards a very, uh, I guess, utilitarian or economic discussion of what city should be. You know, are we providing the right services? Are people getting access to the things they need? Whereas ambience tends to focus more on the feelings of a city. So when we talk about ambience, we talk about the essential engagement with the world, light, we're talking about sound, we're talking about smells, all those sort of things, and how the body engages with those environmental expressions and then how that that makes the body feel both uh, personally but also in our uh, interconnections with each other. So I guess in some ways it's refocusing the conversation away just from the built environment and more towards the, the felt environment. I was interested that you mentioned smells because I often do associate smells with particular cities. Like like what, for example? I'm thinking of some of the cities I've been in in Asia, which are very humid. And sometimes you can get the smells like drain smells, for example. But uh, on the other hand, uh, I appreciate that every city has different resources available to deal with rubbish, to deal with plumbing, to do, you know, so not every city has the wealth to provide really good systems like that. I agree with that. But the other side of an overly sanitised city is it might not express much at all. Very clean and healthy and kind of empty, you know? Yeah, for sure. And and I did want to qualify that because sometimes those smells that I just talked about make me feel like I'm here now, present in this place. Yeah, it's, it's interesting the word presence, presence and ambience, are sort of um, symbiotic words, they go together well, because to really be aware of an ambience means you're present in your immediate moment. You've talked about the ambient encounter. So could you give me some examples of how this might play out in a city such as Melbourne? When I talk about an ambient encounter, I'm talking about the way an artist or a designer or an architect might create some type of work or some type of intervention in the city that uses ambience uh, in a particular way and the encounter becomes conscious awareness that you're walking into something or walking through something or being connected with the environment in a specific way. Yeah, and in in Melbourne, can you think of an example? Well, I I think I refer at the end of the article to the Sonic Gathering Place, which is uh, an installation that I've put in with uh, Charles Anderson and and a few other people. It's trying to create a small uh, site, what I'd refer to as experiential difference or experiential possibility. I wrote a book in 2016 called Sonic Rupture, which really talks about how we can create small sites of experiential difference in cities. So the Sonic Gathering Place uses sounds, field recordings, from different national parks in Victoria and collapses them into this very small place to create this um, almost like a bubble of sound that you can sit inside of and hear while also hearing the city. And it has plants that create smells and sounds in the wind. The encounter in that case is you come across this thing and and you engage with it and it's designed in such a way to try and produce an ambience. Every place, every situation has an ambience. But to purposely try to design an ambience as an encounter means that you're enhancing or augmenting 
that ambience as a way to really try to bring the body into the present moment to bring back the, the presence term that you referred to earlier. In the case of that installation, it's really trying to create a place of respite or escape or using these sounds and plantings as a way to create a, a more healing or a more peaceful mood. And I think it's significant that it's uh, in the grounds of the Melbourne jail. RMIT, which is where I'm located, you know, as an artist academic, they were keen to activate the grounds again, you know, because of the COVID lockdowns, you know, no one was going in. So they were really open to it, given, given its history. If you've just joined us here on 3CR, I'm speaking with Jordan Lacey about a paper he wrote for the conversation entitled Cities Are Made from More Than Buildings and Roads. They're also made by ambiences. How a city makes you feel. You've also said that community-based ambiences are not always pleasant, and sometimes the ambience can be complex and even contradictory. So what are you getting at there? I was recently in Montreal. There's a, an amazing Mexican uh, sound artist there called Amanda Gutierrez, and she runs these sound walks, particularly for men. She brings our attention to gendered ambiences. So she takes us through these spaces and she said, how does it feel for you to walk through here? So how do you think it would feel for a woman to walk through here on her own? Or how do you think it would feel for a person of colour to walk through here on their own? And it really brings your attention that I, as a six foot white man, can tell you what I think of the ambience of a place, but it may be very different for someone else. So, for example, a laneway. I mean, I love wandering through the laneways of Melbourne at night hearing their quietness and the dark shadows and the things you might encounter, but that might be a, a completely terrifying experience for, you know, for a woman, for instance. Amanda's soundwalk really brought to my attention. So there's that. One person's, you know, an enjoyable experience for gendered or race reasons might actually be very uncomfortable for someone else. Yeah, for sure. I'd like to now look at some actual cases. It seems that certain architects and designers have been creating ambient spaces, as you've described earlier. But can you tell me more about, you know, who's doing this and what they're doing? The, the iconic one, I think, is uh, Max Neuhaus. He was a percussionist who played with the likes of John Cage in the late 60s. And he got sick of concert hall performances because he found it too elite and he wanted to bring music to the street. So he created a, a huge range of works, but the, probably the most iconic one he created was called Times Square, which is in Times Square in New York. And it's essentially a synthesizer that exists under one of those um, subway grills. Um, so what happens when you're in Times Square and the hustle and the bustle and the madness of the place? If you actually just drop down and tune in, you can hear this resonating synthesizer hum coming out from one of these grills. It's just beautiful that you just sink into it and it really changes the ambience and the nature of Times Square. Not because you're making a physical alteration, not because you're changing the infrastructure necessarily, but because you're allowing the body to, to absorb this sound and therefore express a new feeling and therefore see the environment in a different way. This is what's so clever about an ambience approach. The other iconic one is the wonderful German sound artist, Sam Oinger, A-U-I-N-G-E-R. But he worked with another sound artist, Bruce Odland, to create a work called Harmonic Bridge in Massachusetts, the Museum of Modern Art. And... What it is, is a 16-foot tuning tube with a microphone at specific intervals that catches the sound of the passing traffic of an overpass and plays it back under the overpass uh, to create this kind of cathedral-like ambience of humming cars, but tuned 
and you're kind of sitting in this space because we know that these spaces are everywhere in the city, don't we? You know, like under, say, under the Westgate Bridge, you know, if you walk under there. And they're not very pleasant spaces, but these guys have figured out how to turn those spaces into something really pleasant to be in. So I think they're exemplary because they show how through minimal infrastructural intervention, you can actually make a huge change to the to the environment and therefore the feelings of, of the people in those environments. I find your mentioning the Westgate Bridge interesting because of its history and the people that died in the building of it. It could be an area for a sound installation which captures some of that history. And I like that you've, you've done that a couple of times in the interview, you know, the Melbourne Jail as well, you know, referring to the history. And the history is important, as Jordan Lacey says. As a newcomer to Melbourne, I found out about the Westgate Bridge disaster through a special broadcast on 3CR that used a lot of the archival materials recorded by the station over the years. I'm speaking with Jordan Lacey, a sound artist and research fellow at the School of Design at RMIT. And I had one more question for Jordan before we finished our conversation. I'm broadcasting from 3CR, a community radio station. How would you classify us as a part of the ambience of the city? Radio creates an ambience, doesn't it? I mean, it has historically. I mean, it used to be the source of news and the source of connecting with the world and, and all those wonderful photos of families and friends huddling in, in lounge rooms and listening. But now it has a general ubiquitous presence. You know, you can hear radio sounds coming out of car windows or house windows or and I guess 3CR has its own community orientated listener group so I guess in a sense it's interesting because it's a distributed ambience isn't it I mean there's the ambience of the studio where you are but it's also the ambience that's created in all the situations people find themselves in as they're listening there's a lot of radio artists now who are really pushing the boundaries of radio producing different ambiences. I was just in Berlin and Kate Donovan, who's the radio artist there, has her own radio program. They're transmitting from a boat moving along a river and people are able to tune in along the riverbank and the sounds that they're emitting are more like frequency modulations and things like that. So they're really pushing the possibility of what radio can be. So that's going to be a whole other type of ambience as these sounds emerge from these speakers that people are holding. I mean, 3CR has a very particular political and community orientated agenda too, right? Yes, it does. And in fact, as we're speaking, we're in the middle of radiothon and it is keeping community strong and community powered radio. They are the themes this year. So yes. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's really important, 3CR, Triple R and PBS as well. I mean, Melbourne, we're very spoiled, actually. We have this incredible ecology of radio. It does make a big difference to the ambience of a city because the, just the fact that people are listening to that and it's influenced how, how they think and how they dress and where they go, as opposed to if you just got these ambiences being bombarded by these bigger name radio stations that make a city a bit more bland and homogenous, in my humble opinion. Jordan Lacey a sound artist and research fellow at RMIT University. And special thanks for Jordan for making time for an interview when he had only just arrived back in Australia from overseas. And, you know, if he was experiencing jet lag, I couldn't hear it. Thanks so much, Jordan. We're coming to the end of Communication Mixdown on our Radiothon show. I'm Judith Peppard, and it's been great to have you with us this evening. Or it could be morning, depending where you're listening. Coming up next is Eritrean Voices. 
I'm going out with a song that invokes the ambience of 3CR and the streets of Fitzroy. Here's Down City Streets, performed here by Emma Donovan and the Portbacks and featuring the iconic voice of Uncle Archie Roach, who has a long association with 3CR. Take care, keep warm, and I'll catch you next time.
OCR Radiothon 2022. Keep communities strong. We need your financial support to be independent, community-controlled and focused on people rather than profits. Your support during Radiothon keeps the station strong and enables us to give voice to hundreds of people and issues for another year. And remember, any amount you can afford makes a big difference and all donations over $2 are tax-deductible. 3CR Radiothon, show your support during June 2022. 3CR, keep community strong. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio, Melbourne's voice of dissent. 3CR Community Radio, 855 on the AM dial, streaming live at 3cr.org.au or on 3CR Digital in Melbourne. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.